Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the Syrupcast. If you're tuning into the Syrupcast for the first time, it is a podcast by Mobile Syrup, Canada's largest independent tech website, in which we look at back at the week that was in Canadian telecom and tech news. This is episode 167. We're recording it on Thursday, April 26th, 2018. This week, I'm joined by Mobile Syrup uh, telecom and news editor, Rose Bihar, not to be confused with one Kevin Bihar. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Kevin Bihar is another person in this industry and uh, he's in pr and so basically we're like twins and i'm the good one he's the evil one just kidding exactly that's a deep cut um we also have staff reporter samir chabra samir how are you i'm quite well igor how are you i'm good thank you and lastly but certainly not least we have a very special guest joining us over the phone in uh laura tribe laura is the executive director at Open Media, a wonderful organization we often run to when we need comment on something. Laura, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me today. This is exciting. No, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we have Laura on the phone because the CRTC did something bad <laughs> um, or not enough, or actually the carriers <laughs> did not enough, um, I think is the correct or the app description, one might say. Um, Rose, would you like to set the scene for us? Absolutely. So we had previously spoken on this podcast about uh, Wi-Fi first MVNOs. And so before we really start out, I'm going to sort of break down some of the jargon that we're going Mm -hmm. to be using over and over again, just so that people (laughs) don't get confused and it's not too buzzword heavy. So by Wi-Fi first MVNO, we mean a wireless reseller that has its home network as a Wi-Fi based service Mm -hmm. and roams on wireless data from carriers that have facilities and infrastructure, otherwise known as facilities based carriers. That's the other piece of jargon that we might be talking about in this podcast today. Uh, And those facilities based carriers can be the big guys, Mm -hmm. TELUS, Bell Rogers, or they can also be uh, smaller, you know, even ICE Wireless is facilities-based. That's a northern carrier. Um, okay, so now that that's out of the way, uh, the CRTC had been asked by the federal government to reconsider a decision that shut down a sort of backdoor MVNO, um, Sugar Mobile, owned by ICE, that was operating as a Wi-Fi first MVNO. Um, Essentially, the CRTC recently said, no, we're not going to reconsider that. That's still a no-go. We're not going to open up this new wireless reselling market. But what we are going to do is to make people uh, make people make the big three, Bell, Telus, and Rogers, the national carriers, uh, present plans for low-cost data-only plans, which is a real gap in the market that we have. There's not many low-cost plans that have a, a, enough data 
for modern Canadians to use. And so that is what we saw. We saw the proposals come out this week from Bell, Tellus, and Rogers, and they were maybe to be expected, but a lot of people weren't very happy with them. Um, right. Uh, just correct me if I'm wrong, but the CRTC has not said that it's um, opposed to Wi-Fi first and NVOs. Uh, <laughs> instead, it's merely delaying it needs to more time to consider it right 2020 is so so that's essentially it um Mm. they they said how the policy directive is now from the government it's very facilities-based uh approach so Mm -hmm. basically the the policy has been we promote facilities-based carriers and facilities-based investment over a company that can just purchase wholesale access and enter the market without having to invest in infrastructure. So given that we're going to stick to our decision right now, we might reconsider it in 2020. So you're right. It Mm. is kind of pushing it off, but it's also sort of pushing it on to the government if they so chose to change the policy. Right. And so what did the carriers in their definition, what is an adequate amount of data? Well, (laughs) isn't that so? Okay, so uh, so let's start off with largest carrier by subscriber share. That is Rogers. So Rogers said that we're going to give everybody uh, 400 megabytes of data for $25. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's uh, 4G LTE data. Um, It's a month-to-month basis. Bring your own device. Oh, and by the way, you get uh, you get free voice calls to 911 because, of course, this is a data-only plan, so you don't have any talk or text features. Uh, Rogers doesn't specify where they're going to be <laughs> um, selling this uh, plan. Is it going to be through Rogers exclusively? Is it going to be through Fido exclusively? Is it going to be through Chatter Mobile exclusively? Not really something that was stated. I think it's important to point out that Chatter does have uh, LTE only, or sorry, not LTE only, but data only plans, but they're 3G, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so to, 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 to be perfectly clear, uh, Rogers' uh, Chatter Mobile Flanker brand offers a plan that is one, gigs of, one gigabyte of 3G data for $40. That also does give you unlimited Canada-wide talk and unlimited international text. Mm-hmm. So that plan um, is $15 more expensive than the data-only plan that Rogers uh, proposed. But of course, it, it is still... One could make the argument that it's a better plan. Mm-hmm. Bell. What did Bell, uh, Canada's second largest carrier, do? Well, audience, let me tell you. They said through Virgin Mobile, they're going to offer a postpaid and prepaid plan. $30 a month, 500 megabytes of LTE data. So $5 more expensive than the Rogers plan, 100 megabytes of data more than the Rogers plan. And then TELUS went and did something that could have been explained a little bit better in their filing, I would say. But ultimately, <laughs> no, I, I'm throwing a little bit of shade because, it, 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 yes, all of these plans um, make sense when you look at them on paper because the numbers and prices are all there. But, of course, the filings are intricate and they're multi-page and they're complicated and they're making arguments. Well, all, point is, TELUS said that they are going to offer two plans, one postpaid plan through KUDO which would be $30 Canadian every month. You get 500 megabytes of LTE data and a prepaid plan through public mobile that would give uh, subscribers 600 megabytes of 4G LTE data for $30 Canadian. Um, Yes, public mobile is important to mention as well because (laughs) public mobile currently offers a $35 plan that gives you 600 megabytes of 4G LTE data. Um... And also, this is where things got extra confusing. 
TELUS sort of said, we'll also offer a 3G data-only plan through public mobile. It's, uh, I think it's $20 for 200 megabytes of 3G data, something like that. Um, and I don't have the number, that number right in front of me, but the reason I don't have it right in front of me is because it's kind of confusing. Uh, but that's, that's what's on the table, mm-hmm. these plans. Um, Laura, thank you so much for being patient and listening to us said all the mm-hmm. preamble. Um, I'm paraphrasing here, but I believe you said that these were, quote, a joke. Um, would you like to elaborate? Um, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when the CRTC turned this over to the big three to say put together a low-cost, affordable data-only plan, they came back with something that was low-cost. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it really gives anyone what they're looking for. It doesn't give them the service they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, one of the problems with this proposal, this, this proceeding overall, is that it's really a stopgap. When you look at what, how it came out and how it was introduced, it was rejecting Wi-Fi-based MVNOs, uh, Wi-Fi-first MVNOs, as I outlined earlier, and said, instead of bringing in new entrants into the market, we're going to give the incumbents a chance to get it right. Um, and I think as soon as the elimination of those other entrants into the market was taken away, we really quickly see what happens when they go, oh, okay, we can do this ourselves. We don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically fell back on the status quo. I mean, when you look at what the, prob- what the plans are right now for having talk and text in addition to data, just about every data package is cheaper when you get talk and text. Um, and so the incentive is supposed to be, I can sacrifice talk and text for something that's cheaper, but instead, any of the overage fees on these plans are going to be outrageous. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of cases, they've worked in things where you have to bring your own device. There's no subsidized plan uh, with the contract. So, you know, it's great to be able to do that, but to be required to do that is also a burden for someone who's looking for a low-cost plan. Um, and I think, you know, there's tons of ways to poke holes on every proposal that each of the companies have put forward, but ultimately it's not giving people what they're looking for. The existing plans that we have right now don't give us enough data. They're giving us smaller plans with less data without talking text, but extreme new restrictions on what we can do on our phones. It goes exactly the opposite way of what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so friend of the podcast, Emily Jackson, in her piece on this for the Financial Post interviewed one Ben Klaas, who is a PhD candidate. Uh, and he said, this is not uh, a good faith effort on the part of the carriers to meet the commission halfway. Uh, do you agree with that sentiment? Yes, I do agree with that sentiment. Um, I think that's exactly it. It's, it's not meeting the commission halfway. I think that it's trying to find all the loopholes that weren't included in the outline of the proceeding. Mm-hmm. Every one of those submissions went through and said, you gave us three requirements and we checked them. Um, and here's the bare minimum that we can do with that. Um, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what the CRTC does with these. Uh, starting with you, Laura, what do you think would be an appropriate data only plan? Because I think um, we're at this point where what we hear at Mobile Syrup and the wider public in Canada sees as an appropriate data plan is miles, if not like light years <laughs> apart from what the carriers uh, deem to be an appropriate data-only plan? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's hard to put a specific number on it and say, like, this would be good enough, so this would be enough, because we're so used to having things that are so far from that mm-hmm. um, that I don't want to set a standard. But, I mean, when we look at what happened in December with the $60, 10 gigabyte a month 
plans that came with Talk and Text. Um, you know, Talk and Text alone is $30 with $50 a month. Uh, if you're paying $60 a month and getting 10 gigabytes, uh, I mean, you can kind of do the math, but that's, you know, between 20 to $30 a month for 10 gigabytes of data, which is in some cases 20 times what's being offered mm-hmm. by the incumbents in these plans. Um, and that's the plans that, you know, people lined up around the block for in December because it was the best option available, not because it was perfect or what they needed. Um, it all is based on, you know, the struggles we're having with our current plans already. Yeah, before uh, Rose and Samir jump, I think like bringing up the 10 gigabyte plan really puts this into stark relief how, quite honestly, piss poor these plans are, <laughs> right? Like, I, it, it, for me anyway. So uh, what do you guys want to add? Well, I mean, I think a modern Canadian and even at moderate usage would need about three gigs a month. Mm-hmm. And that's putting it very conservatively. Um, but I don't think we're going to see anywhere near that with the plans, even if the CRTC does enforce a floor for the amount of data. Um, I think maybe at the very top, we could expect like a gig. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that what Laura mentioned is really true about the data overages. That's where they're going to get you. Because mm-hmm. the fact is that whenever uh, a person goes over their data limit for the month, they don't stop using their phone. You mm-hmm. have to, you essentially have to continue to use it, you know. Uh, and so then you end up having to pay the data overages. So say even if it is a one gig plan, you start to, that's $30, you'll probably end up paying in overages maybe $80 or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that like you see quite frequently even with larger plans. So in the end, the carriers could end up making a lot of money mm-hmm. off of these plans if they are something that a lot of people pick out. Mm-hmm. Samir? So I'm not going to, uh, in the same vein, I'm not really going to offer a, a hard and fast number. I think I think we should look at this from sort of like an almost philosophical perspective. What does an appropriate data-only plan look like? Well, it's a plan that factors in the possibility and the probability, which is a high probability, that people are going to be using their data to make phone calls and to also send messages. Because again, as soon as you get rid of the talk and text portion of it, you're then telling your subscribers, your users, that you're going to have to use WhatsApp, you're going to have to use Messenger, you're going to have to use Facebook, and on and on and on to get in touch with your friends, family, coworkers, and so forth. So ultimately, a data-only plan has to be well-measured, it has to be well-considered, it has to take into account averages of how people use their devices. Like, there's, there's, there's so much math that goes into figuring out what a quote-unquote appropriate plan would look like that I don't think the carriers have necessarily done. And at the same time, I don't think the CRTC has really considered either. Because going back to what Ben Class said about this not being you know, a good-faith effort on meeting the, ca- the commission halfway, the commission didn't really give a number I should mention, the commission used um, a figure that Bell gave the commission during the early pro- proceedings of this particular uh, hearing, of this situation, of, of this issue, rather, sorry, um, where Bell said, you know, 300 megabytes of data is more or less appropriate, plus, you know, XXX here and here and there. But as, as Rose just mentioned, and as we're going to talk about, 300 isn't, 300 megabytes isn't enough, 500 isn't enough, 3 gigabytes, I would also argue, isn't enough either. Yeah. Um, so th- these are these are considerations that I, I think that a lot of people have have expressed that the, the commission hasn't really put forward either. Yeah. So I think two points uh, I'd like to raise is one, you know, one of the 
areas that this is coming from is people with accessibility issues. Uh, a while ago, Samir wrote a great piece about how people who are hard of hearing use their phones, right? And this doesn't even attempt to touch on that, right? Like 500 megabytes, um, if you're just using video to sign with someone, 400 megabytes is not enough. The second point I wanted to make is our phones are made in such a way where they're constantly using data, where to the point where some of the most popular articles on mobile syrup are articles that Rose has written on how to save data on your phone, how to turn off autoplay on Facebook, how to turn off Google constantly like being like, hey, you're at this place, right? So you would need to be so well versed in how a modern smartphone works to really even eke out the bare minimum from one of these plans, right? So it really does, from my perspective, feel like there was almost no consideration. Like they're like, oh, just throw something out there, like make sure it meets the bare minimum uh, and let's call it a day, right? Like it really doesn't feel like they spent time and thinking how to uh, offer, again, quote unquote, an appropriate data only offering. Another friend of the podcast, Peter Nowak, tweeted in rage, one might say, uh, the CRTC, uh, quote, the CRTC has failed Canadians in a massive way. Not only must the federal government take action, it needs to raise the regulator as it currently uh, set up. Rose, you uh, followed up with Peter um, to ask him for some context on this tweet. Um, and what did he say? So he said, uh, in terms of raising the regulator, the liberals need to, and this is him speaking, the liberals need to admit they made a mistake with Ian Scott and turf him. They also need to revise how the CRTC works so that it's A, permanently transparent, B, permanently places consumer interests first, and C, is able to get through decisions and proceedings faster to match the pace of technology. Hopefully they can do some of this with their current telecom slash broadcast act review. Um, so let's take a several steps because <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, but Laura, starting with you, like, do you think in this instance, uh, the CRTC under Ian Scott has it served Canadians to the best of its ability? I mean, I think that it's hard to know if it has anything to do with Ian Scott himself mm -hmm. uh, or if it's some of the limitations of the CRTC. Um, I think it's really easy to point fingers, mm -hmm. but I would also uh, be remiss if I didn't mention that when you look at something like the MVNO decision, it's actually the third time that the CRTC has rejected this. Um, and essentially the third time is... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. On it wrong. And twice that was under the previous chair, under JT Blay. And so, um, you know, to stick with a previous decision, uh, we might have been hoping for better results, but I think that putting it on a single person is a problem. I do think, uh, as to Peter's point, though, you know, that's, up to the government to set that frame for what the CRTC works within and put the people in it to ensure that they are enforcing that. Um, and so I think that, you know, not only the, the decision to appoint Ian Scott, but also uh, a failure to kind of course correct the CRTC is really telling on what they're going for. Mm -hmm. 
Do you ever foresee a course correction on the CRTC, at least within, I mean, I, I got to think, you know, with the election coming up next year, like that's not something we're going to see anytime soon. Uh, I mean, I think it's interesting because I also think that cell phone prices are one of the most uh, sort of Canadian things to talk about and complain about. Mm-hmm. And so when you're going into an election, that, that is an issue. Um, if you're failing to address some of the core concerns that Canadians have. Um, at Open Media, we are calling for Minister Baines to step in um, on, a, on a few different fronts uh, where the CRTC has failed. And I think this is one of them. Uh, we heard in the MVNO decision again and again this idea of facilities-based competition. And until the government changes that expectation for the CRTC, um, and as Peter was saying, kind of puts customers and citizens first, um, is more transparent. I think it's going to be a challenge for the CRTC to shift not just sort of the limits that it works within legally, but also the culture of what it's used to doing and what it thinks its role is. Um, so I think it's going to be a long haul, but I think that unless the government actually decides to take action, we're not going to see anything new. It's going to be a lot of the status quo. I mean, kind of continuing to meet the bare minimum requirements as we saw here. Do you two have anything to add? I mean, I think I, I largely agree. I, um, I don't think you can really necessarily put it all on Ian Scott. I think, I think he is being a bit cheeky in the way that he follows and is so by the book, but it is the book. If we want things to, to change, then I think, yeah, the ISED, the, the minister of ISED in Navdeep Baines will have to step in and sort of rewrite it. Samir? So without, uh, you know, devolving into um, civics syrup like I I really enjoy doing, um, I first of all, I agree uh, entirely with what Laura and Rose have said. Um, and I think that it's, it's equally important for the Canadian consumer to, and, and dare I say, rise up. If this is really an issue that we all care about deeply then perhaps it's time that we bring it up with our MPs. Perhaps it's time we bring it up with our affected, our, our, affected, our elected officials. Um, yes, I understand that MPPs are a separate legislature entirely, but let's bring it up with our MPPs and our MLAs. Let's bring it up with everyone. Because this, this doesn't seem like an issue that government is really capable of resolving without widespread input from the citizenry. So, you know, let's, let's take some responsibility and, and say we want certain things. We, want, we have certain expectations for service and for government, and uh, we, we demand action. It's so important. I mean, I, I, all you can really see from this is just a total disregard for uh, lower middle class and lower class people who can't afford the data that they need. They don't need mm-hmm. it any less than the wealthier of Canada, the wealthier people of Canada. They probably need it more because if you think about it, uh, poor internet connections at home potentially or slower internet at home long commutes to multiple jobs, you know, we all need data and especially, um, you know, the, the the working class and the people who have budgets that are not big enough to accommodate these plans. So it's really, I, I, I really agree. I think there needs to be some really widespread attention and I think people need to get in touch with their, their elected officials. I should mention, I'm advocating for a full-on revolution. Come on, guys, let's do it. Let's rise up. Let's do it. <laughs> Uh, Laura, how do you expect this consultation period to shake out? Um, I mean, my crystal ball is probably as good as yours, but mm-hmm. um, I think 
will probably end up seeing these plans adopted somewhat close to what they're pitched uh, with some slight modifications from the CRTC. Um, I mean, we don't historically see them kind of overhauling with huge uh, sort of changes and mandates for the incumbents quite frequently. And I think given what we've just been discussing, I don't think that we're about to see that now. Um, I don't think that this is a CRTC culture that is looking to kind of shake things up completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that what's sort of interesting and, and maybe important to remember is when these plans were sort of introduced as the CRTC's next focus, when they said no to Wi-Fi first MDNOs and said, but we're going to let the incumbents try and pitch these low-cost data-only cell phone plans, even in their own sort of introduction of this plan, it was acknowledged that it's kind of a stopgap measure. Uh, this is something that can be done a bit faster than an entire reassessment of wholesale wireless and what does that look like. It's faster than trying to adjust what the rates might be for MVNOs and new entrants into the market. It's faster than trying to sort of bring new entrants in. But it's a band-aid. And so no matter what they end up coming up with, it's still a stop that measure. It's not going to bring more choice in terms of providers into the market. Um, I think quite hilariously in Bell's submission, they included the logos of all of the telecoms that allow, uh, you know, mobile service. And they're like, look, there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. And when you start to go through it, you're like, well, okay, but I think Pellis owns two more of those and Rogers owns two more of those and Bell, you own multiple in there. And so, you know, until we actually address that and bring more choice into the market to help speed up that competition cycle that we're really struggling with and give people an out um, from what they're frustrated with, I don't think this plan is actually going to do it no matter what they come up with. Um, In the same way that when we saw those $60, 10 gigabyte plans, people lined up to switch off of the plan they were on and it, it helped for those that were able to do it and that could line up, but they're still on those same providers. Um, And a lot of people are still stuck uh, on the plans they couldn't get out of. And so I think, you know, for these plans specifically, we will probably see something a bit better than what this is. I'm, I'm optimistic. I know we're going to be pushing to make sure they go a lot farther than this. Uh, but I'm skeptical that the CRTC is actually willing to put customers first in this case. Um, and I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see. Um, I know you said shouldn't point fingers at one person but i do have to wonder do you think um even knowing you know that fact that kind of the federal government wanted to step away from uh, jp blay just because he was kind of a showman at the end of his term um do you think they're having kind of buyer's remorse with ian scott um oh man do i think they're having buyer's remorse um i don't think so Mm -hmm. i think um you know, they, this was a choice they made. I think they knew exactly what they were doing. Um, and I think it was something they did intentionally. Um, you know, I, I can't really tell, I can't read their minds to know exactly what they were thinking, but I think that it was really thoughtful for them to go in the opposite direction. Um, from chairman Blay, I think that they wanted someone who wanted to be left in the spotlight, um, and was going to kind of play by the book. And I think in some cases, it kind of lets them make the CRTC the bad guy. Um, and he can just kind of stick with the policies that he's been given and enforce them and, you know, 
the government can either throw their hands in the air and say, oh, it's the CRTC, um, or they can do something about it. But I, I think it was an intentional choice um, from the government's part. And who knows? Uh, there's all kinds of things that happen behind the scenes that we might not know about. But uh, no, I think, this, I think this is what they were looking for, to be honest. Uh, do you two have anything to add on that front? Oh, man, I think that's a really interesting, interesting idea yeah. that you brought up to sort of, uh, you know, bring Ian Scott into to keep the status quo and to sort of make CRTC be the bad guy in terms of some of the less popular choices. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, if it could be that um, I, initially I thought, you know, well, why would you refer back a decision if you didn't uh if you didn't think there was some chance that something could, something more could have been done. So I think I'm still more on the side of, I think they sort of knew what they were getting into with Ian Scott, but perhaps had a, a somewhat of a, a strange idea that they could tweak uh, things a little bit more than these low cost data only plans. So I think there might be a, a small amount of, of them having to rethink how they're dealing, they're going to deal with the CRTC going forward. Um, but certainly an interesting idea about the dynamics between the CRTC and the ISD, ISED, which has always, always been strained. It's always speculation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Samir, anything to add? I mean, on that subject of speculation, um, I, I, and again, we, we don't have all the facts uh, at hand. Um, it, it did take them, a little bit of time to announce their pick, their nomination, the person who's going to replace J.P. Blay. So I wonder then, and this is of course pure speculation, so you take it with as many grains of salt as you need to, uh, maybe they just couldn't find someone to fill the position. You know? I, I think I, that's I, what Christine said, was there was like literally it's no It's not one. an easy position <laughs> yeah. to fill. Uh, yeah. It's not a fun one. Yeah, and no so, one wants to do it. So they, yeah. they, found, they found the great centrist, Ian Scott, who was going to play by the book and who had telecom experience, who had industry experience, and who, who said effectively that he's going to run the, uh, like, like was mentioned, run the commission by the book. So, I mean, maybe they hoped that things would shake out differently. Maybe they, they knew that this is exactly how it was going to be. Um, before we wrap up and get into our shout outs, Laura, would you like to add anything? Uh, no, I mean, it's, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next year, mm -hmm. um, at the CRTC when it comes to mobile. Uh, but I actually think that the more interesting conversations are going to be happening at the government level. Um, I think that it's, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't actually remind everyone who is listening that they have a voice and they can use it. Um, and I think that what we've seen pretty clearly from the CRTC is that they have taken their direction and it is to kind of play by the book. And if they're going to revise what mobile looks like, they're going to start from scratch, uh, which is pretty frustrating because that'll probably be a five-year consultation. And we just finished five years on MBNOs. Uh, so it feels like we're starting over. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's going to be a really long time before the CRTC does anything really meaningful on mobile. Um, unless we do something at the federal level. And so I would really encourage everyone to not be afraid to make your concerns known mm -hmm. uh, to your MP, to Minister Baines uh, in particular. Um, and I think that as we see what the review of the Telecom Act leads to and how that kind of shapes what the CRTC's guidance is on that side of things, um, and if and as Minister Baines looks to either mandate MVNOs wholesale himself, um, or see what those promises are leading up to the next election. I think that's where the most interesting conversations for mobile are going to be taking place in the next 
little while. All right, Laura, at the end of the syrup cast, we usually just, you know, give a shout out to something either reading, saw someone in the news, a piece of news. Uh, so we'll have Rose and uh, Samir start us off so you can hear the example and then we'll ask you for your shout out. Right. So my okay. my shout out is one of my favorite things lately. I've been reading this book called Broadband and it's a really fascinating story of the women written out of the history of computers and the internet. Mm -hmm. And just a little tidbit, did you know that a computer used to closely relate to um, just to the term just like a, a woman who computes? Mm -hmm. So that used to be most of the people who did mass computations before computers existed were young women because they were very easy and cheap to hire. Um, so, you know, the original computer was a woman in a sense. Anyway, mm -hmm. it is super fascinating. Highly recommend. It's a really great read. Samir? Uh, I would like to continue talking about government for a little bit and shout out the Supreme Court of Canada. Today they heard the Rogers Communications Inc. versus Voltage Pictures LLC case. How exciting is that, guys? Okay, so this is a copyright case. Uh, sorry, no, no I'm, I'm mad. This is not a copyright case, but it is a copyright case. Um, ultimately, the Supreme Court is eventually going to determine whether or not um, carriers have a right to set their own prices for uh, the work required to turn over information to copyright holders um, when a copyright holder believes that uh, an internet user using an ISP network has infringed on copyright. Point is, um, this is a case that's going to determine uh, the future of Canada's uh, notice of notice copyright provision. So expect a story for mobile syrup within the next few months because we don't actually know when the Supreme Court is going to deliver the judgment. <laughs> on that note, no, uh, on that note, excuse me, uh, Laura, what's your shout out? Uh, my shout out, I think, will also be a copyright shout out for today, mm -hmm. uh, which is this week we actually finally got the answer to the question, can a monkey own a selfie? Right. Um, and if we remember the infamous case where a monkey took a picture of itself with a phone, uh, and there were claims of copyright over who owned the rights to it and did it belong to the monkey. Um, the case was settled out of court, but the court actually decided that it needed to come to a resolution on this question anyway mm -hmm. uh, and decided this week, no, monkeys cannot own copyright because in the U.S., copyright law only applies to humans. Uh, so as we see a lot of different copyright trolling going on, it's nice to know that at least we can limit it to human behavior. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is small solace to the photographer who conceived of this because I think he like went into bankruptcy trying to fight off um, Greenpeace or PETA. I can't remember which one. Uh, it, was. it was PETA. And PETA. actually part of the decision was that uh, his court fees are now and legal fees are going to have to be reimbursed. Oh, so. amazing. There is some justice in the world. <laughs> um, my shout out goes to this wonderful uh, book I'm reading called The Gentleman in Moscow. It is by one of my favorite authors, uh, Omar Taos. Uh, just very sumptuous, beautiful prose. Can't recommend it enough. Um, Laura, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on the internet on Twitter. Uh, mm -hmm. My handle is Ltribe. Uh, or any of Open Media's channels. Openmedia.org uh, is our website, is our Twitter handle. We're on Facebook, even though it's controversial right now, I know. Um <laughs> And yeah, we're pretty easy to track down, but through all of Open Media's channels and Twitter as well. Thank you for being awesome. And thank you for Open Media for being awesome. 
Um, where can people find the rest of you two? Uh, they can find me at Rose Bahar on Twitter. And uh, Samir? Uh, you can find me um, at Samir Chaber 94 on Twitter. And I'm going to take this moment to quickly mention uh, a new episode of Viewer Experience will be up uh, this coming Tuesday. It's on a very, very exciting movie. It, uh, it, it is a movie about revenge or perhaps a movie about avenging things. I don't know. So it's, it's, it's Infinity War. It's on Infinity War. Oh, I was going to say it is the, uh, some might say the Citizen Kane of, of superhero <laughs> movies. Some, some might say that. Well, I, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know if I'm going to be one of those people, but some might mm. say that. Uh, lastly, I'm at Igor Bonifacic on Twitter, and you can obviously find me at Mobile Syrup. Mobile Syrup itself, you can find at Mobile Syrup, whether it be on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, even though, as Laura said, it is so like somewhat contentious uh, recently. Um, thank you so much for listening. Laura, thank you again for joining us. And Thanks we'll, for having me. And we'll see you all next week. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.